0: It's the Michelle the Trainer Show with your host, Michelle the Trainer. Michelle the Trainer. MTT is Michelle the Trainer. With our very special guest star, Jules Farrell from Sydney, Australia with the Sea Shepherds, Australia. Aloha, it's episode 9 of the Michelle the Trainer Show. Today's show speaks for itself. Huge thanks to Jules Farrell joining us from Sydney, Australia with sincere appreciation for her work with the Sea Shepherds. When we go to Australia to go scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef, generally you fly into Sydney, Australia, and then I remember personally taking a small and sort of scary flight from Sydney to Cooktown, where I got on a boat to dive the Coral Sea, which is a northern part of the Great Barrier Reef. Anyway, this is our longest show so far, so I'll keep my part short, And this is also our first liquid hike show. A liquid hike type show on the Michelle the Trainer Show means that its topics align with the same topics you can learn more about on liquidhike.com. That's L-I-Q-U-I-D-H-I-K-E dot com. And those topics are conservation, nature, and scuba. Check it out. Enjoy the show and Enjoy the show. Bye. Today, we have an amazing guest. It's tomorrow where she is. We have Jules Farrell, J-O-O-L-S, Farrell from Australia, who's with the Sea Shepherds Australia from Sydney, Australia right now. Jules, how are we doing? Oh, we're doing really well, thank you, Michelle. And how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I can't believe you're a real quartermaster of a real boat that is actually shepherding. I'd like to really explain to the listeners a little mm-hmm. bit about Wales and a little bit about, you know, uh, Australia and the, you know, because like I, I dove the, the Great Barrier Reef, but I wasn't really clear, you know, so just, you know, what I learned was that Sydney is the coast and the Great Barrier Reef goes, you know, as you look at the map, it goes a little to the right and then up towards mm-hmm. The Coral Sea, and mm-hmm. then up above that is where you start getting more towards Papua New Guinea, right? Yeah. yeah. I found, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't see a lot in the few weeks I was there, but I was fortunate to be there during the minke whale migration where we were on a very um, restrictive, safe, and protected boat. So we got to hang, like, on the back, you know, on a, on a floating line, and just watch very quietly, and the whales would come and kind of circle us, and, and that was really cool. Um, so tell us about the, the minky whales that are there, the migration, and, like, what do sea shepherds do? And, you know, just tell me everything.
1: <laughs> oh, wow, where can I start? What do sea shepherds do? Uh, well, we, we, we basically, we're looking after, we call them our clients, and our clients are the whales, but also the sharks, also dolphins, really the oceans and her inhabitants. And we, we do anything we can uh, to help them out. And that's why we do go down to the Southern Ocean um, to um, go up against the Japanese whaling fleet. We've been doing this for the last 10 years and we have been extremely successful um, in the years we have gone down there. We've saved just over 6,000 whales from the whaling fleet uh, in the time we've been there. Okay. So
0: the whales, the whales have like a migration path, right? And in the open ocean, there are laws, but because there's nobody else in the open ocean, there is really nobody there to enforce or alert anybody to any illegal, um, uh, you know, killing activity that Mm. is is occurring in those areas because nobody else is out there except for the illegal poaching boats, correct? Correct, correct. Uh, That's why
1: Sea Shepherd go down there because if we didn't go down there, then the whaling fleet and also the other illegal poachers, for example, the Patagonian toothfish poachers, which was our last campaign, which we shut down their whole operation of six vessels, which was absolutely awesome. But we are the only people that go down uh, to the Southern Ocean. The Australian government uh, doesn't do anything about it, which is very unfortunate. Uh, we work under the um, UN Charter for Nature, which does allow any individual or organisation to go down to an area where any illegal activities are occurring. And what the whaling fleet are doing is they are commercially whaling under the guise of uh, research, and we all know it's not research.
0: I saw that on Animal Planet in the United States. Animal Planet put Sea Shepherds on a series. I don't know how many people saw that, but it's a big, bold-faced lie. You see this giant slaughter boat, and it's got all these BSE words on there, research, 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 research. But that's yep. not research. No. <laughs> you it's know, not, that but, is
1: not research. No, you don't need to kill 1,035 whales to research. Uh, you, these days, you don't even need to kill a whale to research at all. Um, there used to be um, uh, some research where you did need, you know, we, we call it lethal research, where the, you do need to kill one whale to find out the age of a whale. But these days uh, now they only need to take dna samples so we all know it is commercial whaling
0: and agreed and when you see you can you guys can google the videos or i can send you some of the footage that i've seen when you look at how these boats are set up i mean they are mm. it's like looking at a canning factory floating mm. on the ocean and and it is amazing to me how fast mm. they can slay a gigantic and I just don't get that. I mean, we've got these giant elephants and these, you know, we all the kids want to know and we wanted to know when we were kids, mommy, what happened to the dinosaurs? But yet we are we are living in a time where we have these giant, gentle, amazing animals that are giving us all these gifts of life, mm. but there's still all of this stuff going on. So I love to see that we're getting more traction with awareness. Mm. And um, so keep talking, Jill. Sorry. Yep. No, no, no. <laughs>
1: No, it's, it's. I was listening. No, it, As I said, it's all about awareness, and these vessels are uh, – the, the Whaling Fleet vessels are unbelievable. Um, when I was down there for Operation Zero Tolerance, um, I was on the Sam Simon. I was the ship's uh, medical officer as well as a quartermaster. The
0: Sam Simon. Tell them really quick yeah. about Sam Simon. It's on – there is an article a little bit on liquidhike.com, but tell them. Tell them, Jules.
1: Oh, Sam Simon was an awesome man. Uh, It was so sad that he passed away uh, two years ago now, I think it was, uh, from cancer at the age of, I think he was only 58. But he gave us the money to buy the Sam Simon, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, It was actually um, an ex, uh, it helped the Japanese whaling fleet and we went undercover to purchase it. They didn't even know it was Sea Shepherd. If they hadn't known it was Sea Shepherd, there's no way they would have uh, given us their boat. They even delivered it to us um, to Australia, not knowing that it, that it was a Sea Shepherd vessel. I was fortunate to be one of the original crew members. Um, we had to go undercover when we were outfitting the boat. So we you went
0: to the Taji Cove in the with the Sam Simon? No, no, no. They
1: they delivered the Sam Simon here to Australia, to Sydney. To okay, I had to go up to Cairns undercover. I couldn't even tell my husband that I where I was going <laughs> to Cairns, like,
0: Australia. That's amazing. It was like um, a spy
1: undercover thing, you know. Like we couldn't wear any Sea Shepherd gear or, or anything. But so we were trying to keep us ourselves undercover as much as we possibly could. But unfortunately, um, a person that was not terribly happy with Sea Shepherd actually blew our cover. Uh, told everybody where we were. And um, the ship was called um, uh, the New Atlantis. That was the undercover name. And
0: then and, one day, and we excuse were, me. See, so you guys know that Sam Simon was the co-creator of, of The Simpsons. Simpsons. Yes, he was. And, yes, I mean it, his story is is amazing as well. Okay, continue, continue. <laughs> uh,
1: and also, he he was he did Cheers as well. Um, he did uh, a lot of amazing work. And um, he, look, he did work. For dogs, he, he for bears, he would just, he was such an amazing man and I just feel so very proud to so be. So you did get the boat? Yeah, yeah, we got the boat and we were undercover for quite a while and then one day um, where we were, it was a secure port, thank goodness, uh, the the security guy called us up and said, oh, I think your cover's been blown because there were four carloads of Japanese officials from the embassy that had come to, what they wanted to come and see the boat. But, of course, he denied them entry, which was fantastic. Um, so all of a sudden uh, our cover was blown, so we all got into our Sea Shepherd gear and we put all the the logos, etc., up onto the boat, um, and then we headed down to Hobart. Uh, w- In the w- boat. In, you know, on the Sam Simon, yeah, uh-huh. got it. Okay, I, I actually had to set up the whole medics room. It was completely empty. Because you're the...
0: a quartermaster, that is the coolest title ever.
1: <laughs> oh well, what, what I do as a quartermaster is you you actually you spend time up on the bridge because um, when we when we're at sea, we've always got two people on the bridge at all times, uh-huh. and you do, you do two four hour shifts a day. So what you do, what the quartermaster does, is sits there and looks at the radar. Because uh, you've got to look out for icebergs. You've got to look out for the whaling fleet, which is a, our main target. And you have to look out for the whales. And we have to look out for the whales as well. Uh, but we're mainly looking after—we're mainly looking for the whaling fleet first because we want to find them before they find us. It's a bit of a cat and cat and mouse game.
0: Absolutely. And again, for yep. the listeners, if you haven't seen the movie The Cove, oh. uh T H E C O V E. Oh, that yeah. will give you a, a gigantic eyeful of information on... I mean, again, it's not everybody or everywhere in Japan, but these are things that are actually happening. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's good to know that there are people that have, again, raised awareness against some of these activities. That movie is specific more to dolphins. Yes. Again, we wanted to talk to Jules more about, you know, Sea Shepherd Sydney in specific. But, again, the, this it give you an idea if you look at some of the animal planet episodes and you look at the cove, it gives you just, it's a lot of truth. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a big oh, it taste is. of truth. And, yeah. and um, it, it actually, you know, when you're here in Los Angeles and you're surviving the nine to five and I understand, you know, we have to understand as human beings, it's very hard for us to um, think about Or we should try to think more about, you know, the world, the planet, and conservation and green technologies and and animals. But it's sometimes more challenging when the economy is different, when we're, you know, feeling like we need need to take care of our own needs for food, water, and shelter, you know. So that's something to be understood and just another awareness um, that I think can help everybody.
1: Oh, of course, of course. You know, people just need to
0: really just think
1: about what they're doing. Um, like in regards to plastics in the ocean, it's absolutely atrocious the amount of rubbish and plastic that is in the ocean. It is frightening uh, to to just to see the rubbish and like whales have beached and when they've done an autopsy on them they've they've opened them up one whale they found had a, a laptop inside it wow uh, you know and the amount of plastic that is inside these beautiful creatures and it's also the the nets it's the it's the commercial
0: uh fishing people that you know let these nets out and sure they- we have a local non that tries to go in and, and um You know, they asked me to be a volunteer diver and I, you know, it's a very dangerous, I'm a very good diver, but Mm -hmm. I know my own limitations. Nets, underwater, cold water, over a hundred feet depth is a super dangerous death trap. Um, And they're all over the place, fishing trash. Uh, You know, I spent my formative years in the Sea of Cortez and let me tell you, nobody's looking under the water there. And I have Brought up more, you know, anchors, nets, poles, lines, hooks—you know, you name it—it's it, under there, and and um, it's dangerous for everyone, for swimmers, because you know, people swim at the beach, and that stuff eventually, um, uh, washes up on the beach, jewels. We were talking and I I think that, you know, I was thinking about this analogy. I always give Mm. the garden and the body, right, the gut, you know, people's stomach and their digestion is kind of like when you're gardening and you have to amend the soil and you have to have uh, alkalinity in the soil. And then when you plant your vegetables or your plants, if the soil is really good, then Mm. you're not going to get fungus and you're not going to get bugs and you're going to be able to have producing plants and it's similar to our body, you know, in our, you know, in our gut and in our stomach, we have to have, you know, a balance of good and bad bacteria, more good than bad. We have to have alkalinity and Mm -hmm. we have to have the right nutrients. Tell Mm -hmm. me how that relates to the ocean surface. Wow.
1: Oh, look, the ocean, <clears throat> at, at, at the moment, um, acidification in the ocean is frightening. The ocean is warming up at a great rate, uh, too fast, way too fast. Um, and the more the ocean warms, uh, the worse it gets. Because as I said, we need we we need the ocean fifty uh, percent of the oxygen we breathe. We even need whale poop, don't we? Well, oh, oh, yes, as uh, Reese Halter <laughs> would say, the flocculent fecal plumes. Um, <laughs> say
0: it again. Say it again. He calls it flocculent fecal plumes. Flocculent fecal plumes. That's a quote plumes. from Dr. Reese Halster. Halter. He's, Reese Halter is a mutual friend of <laughs> Jules and I. He goes often um, on tours, uh, educational tours in Australia. He's he'll yeah. be there. Well, I know this year he's been there twice. Yeah, Um, he's a conservation biologist here. He'll be on the show to talk about solar and then we'll probably have him on again to talk about whales. And and he's got a lot of great information. Okay, continue. Sorry. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's 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 perfect because uh, Reese is the person to talk to in regards to um the 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 well the whale poo as I call it and you know what he calls it. But again, um, those
0: are nutrients, right? At the surface, yeah. like when I see those whale sharks that migrate in the Sea of Cortez, and you know the the when I'm in that water, let me tell you, it's not like those pictures of Utila that you see with the thousand foot viz. I mean, yes. that is some. Um, Plankton rich, yep, mucky water. But that mucky water is their nutrients, and that nutrient, a lot of that is higher quality. And, and again, this is what feeds the ocean surface, and the ocean surface is what gives us what, Jules? It gives us the the oxygen we need to breathe. <laughs> oh, oxygen we need to breathe. How much? <laughs> well, it gives us fifty percent. Um, just oh, you, fifty percent, or like the whole world, fifty percent? No, no, it gives us the whole
1: the whole world. Well, we, well, everybody needs, you know, oxygen to breathe, and we get the rest of it from the trees as yeah, well.
0: And I don't think people understand that the ocean really is our mother in that sense, and that yeah. the ocean is like the garden surface, like our digestive tract. There's a balance there, and it is kind of a living entity that is providing to us whether we're in it or not.
1: Yep. Well, it really Earth really should be called ocean because Earth is covered by seventy percent of water.
0: So our body is seventy percent water. So you think kind of catch that, but most we don't, right? Yeah. But
1: with the going back to the whale poo, that helps with the phytoplankton. Um, It's like you know a chain. You know, like it. It helps it it gives nutrients to the, to the ocean. And
0: then phytoplankton people, P-H-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N-K-T-O-N.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Phytoplankton.
0: Yeah. It's the
1: fish rely on that as well to feed. Um, And this is why we need whales as, as, as Reese always says, they're the doctors of the ocean, which they are. They, they, they keep the ocean healthy. So we need our whales and it's like the sharks as well. We need our sharks. They're the doctors of the ocean as oh, well. Oh,
0: sharks are just, you know, people don't understand. And again, media has, underwater, a shark is the most aesthetically beautiful thing mm. I have ever seen. Silver tip sharks mm. are by far, I mean, just, you know, people like to see birds and these other things that we see and maybe we don't appreciate because we see them more often. But a, but a perfect shark swimming in their own beautiful perfect way is yep. an amazingly aesthetically beautiful sight oh look
1: if you see a great white and um, swimming in the ocean they're the most magnificent creature and um with over in western australia when the premier colin barnett uh decided that he wanted to you know track and kill great whites, even though they're a protect, protected species it's absolutely insane because you've got more chance of being killed on the road. You've got more chance of a vending machine falling on you and killing you. More people fall out of bed and yes. die okay. than get taken by a shark. Um, it's, it's very unusual. Uh, I, I don't call them shark attacks. I call them shark accidents because if a shark does have a go at you, it's very rare for a person to be completely eaten by a shark. They'll spit you back out again. People <laughs> people die from bleeding bleeding out from a shark accident uh, because you know they'll they, they'll get bitten in a where a, a major artery is and they'll they'll get to the beach and they'll die on the beach from blood loss.
0: But we also have to take some responsibility for eating and farming and netting and and you know they don't if you put a net in the water you know for sushi uh-huh. or something you're not just taking it's not a selective net with a filter no. you no. are taking and there's boats out there that almost no. literally i mean literally vacuum the ocean yeah. bottom and when you travel and you go to third world countries where there's nobody watching and again so this is this is why so anyway that we vacuum more we waste a lot we waste a lot of big animals which is very sad and this is a wonderful thing about social media because the more photos and the more awareness is way uh, raised in a more the more that people uh, shame poachers and, and happy hunters and all of these things that we see in social media, I, I think it's a good thing. And, and I, I sometimes feel sad that maybe those people in those pictures will look back and mm. wonder, you know, and feel sad that maybe they just didn't get it then, you know, maybe they will well, eventually get it at some point, but the the benefit of the sea shepherds in the Southern ocean off of the coast of Australia so, again, the minke whales are migrating, and there's times of years that they migrate, right, right Jules? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 they migrate, they head north between May and July, and, uh, and then they, they get up there, and then they, you know, they mate, and they, they breed, and they, they carve, they have their calves, and then they usually head back to Antarctica between... And that's
0: September. when we can go see them?
1: <laughs> well, because, yeah, you can see them either way, between May, May and July, or September to November, the southern migration is the best time to see them from land because, uh, they, as I said, they hug the coast because they need to rest their, their calves. They need to protect their calves because um, the, the the orcas usually do that's come
0: calves, in. Those are their babies, C-A-L-V-E-S, just as yeah, you guys are yeah. listening and I don't know what anybody knows. Yeah, uh, that's, that's their babies,
1: um, and they usually stay up. Oh, they usually stay with their mums. They wean for about oh, up to 11 months um, and they they reach sexual maturity between the age of 4 to 10. Uh, so some of them even mate from the age of 2 or 3. Um, it just depends. But the mating season is between June to October um, and then they carve after that and that's when they head back down to Antarctica and um, then good. so
0: give us some numbers. How many are out there? I know you're, that you're involved and in not only with all this other amazing stuff you do, but with counts and data and yes. how many are there supposed to be? How many do there used to be? How many are we saving? How many should we expect to see? What's going on? Well,
1: it's hard to give you exact numbers at the moment. Sure. But sure. Um, just for approximately, like we we hunted um, when there was commercial whaling before they, they stopped that. 1996, the moratorium came in. Um, Australia also whaled as well. We, the humpbacks, were taken down to 300. That's all that was left um, when they were commercially whaling. 300 humpbacks. Um, wow. Now they're only the humpbacks are only just starting to make a comeback. We're looking at approximately this year. We think we could have 19,000 um, humpbacks migrating up and down the coast this is this is an approximate um, number but the numbers are doubling um every year every year like we're seeing more and more every year uh from the counts the official counts as a matter of fact um we've got our winter solstice on this coming sunday on the 21st of uh, june and that's when they do a full-on count you know everybody goes up onto headlands um and counts the waves. yeah um, I'm actually doing, um, I'm actually doing uh whale watching talks from the headland from where I live on Sunday. So, and I also have a colleague with me. He'll be, um, who's actually counting the whales.
0: Oh, I've uh, got to get down there and do listen to your speaking and go and we can go <laughs> dive with the humpbacks. And I'm dying to see that, you know, that national geographic shot of the humpback mother with the baby underwater from a distance, you know, that's, oh. that's the, uh, coup de gras of, uh all scuba sightings you know
1: oh look seeing seeing a humpback with a with a calf is just absolutely amazing it's it's a sight you never forget uh they're just they're such intelligent <clears throat> intelligent creatures they they talk to each other like a a mother can mourn for up to 12 months if she loses her calf uh, which is you know very very sad yeah um, elephants but, mourn as well it's amazing yeah. Oh it is, you know, like whales are so intelligent. You know, people don't realise how intelligent they are. They travel in family groups. You know, they talk to each other. They they name each other. Um, that's what the singing is. The whale research that I'm doing at the moment, we actually put a hydrophone in the water and
0: we can we can hear them singing. Oh, you uh, should share some of that. That would be wonderful.
1: Yeah, well we we've, we've um uh, we've done three trips so far and we've got probably another, I think seven trips to do. So um, yeah, hopefully we will be able to get uh, close enough and hear. One and of so them.
0: then, when do the uh, the factory ships, the whaling ships, when do they come out, and how how many? And I mean, like, okay. what what do they do with all this this?
1: Uh... Well, the sad part of it is is that very very few people are actually eating whale meat these days. Um, it's it's the fishermen and the older generation that uh-huh. are eating the whale meat. The majority of it goes to dog food. Wow, bloody awful! Um, You know, it's and the 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 Japanese whaling fleet um, they they they're about they have six vessels uh, that they send to Antarctica, and we only have three, Uh, so we're really up against it. And the they've got three um, they have three harpoon vessels that do twenty five knots and can manoeuvre like on a dime. Um, A minky whale can only do 18 knots flat out. So they haven't got a chance once a harpoon vessel sees them. Yeah, the
0: more technology there is, the less animals have a chance really overall. And the the, the slaughter
1: vessel, as we call it, or they call it the research, which is the Nishin Maru, um, it's 8,000
0: tons. That's we- that fake research vessel, right? Yeah. That's yeah. an animal yeah. planet. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like the whole time we've been, we, we go down there, no one has ever seen anybody in white coats. No one has ever seen anybody doing any scientific research. All they do is they just, um, the harpoon vessels, you know, they, they harpoon the whale. Now, that, um, that sadly, um, the explosive harpoons don't kill the whale, it only just disables them, it breaks their back. Then what they do is they drag it over to the the harpoon vessel and then they shoot it up to half a dozen times.
0: But what I saw in the videos, they have like these amazingly fast like conveyor belts. I mean, they can, can, you know, kind of fillet this whale faster than I can get my groceries from the car to the refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: They just drag it up the slipway um, on the back of the Nishin Maru they put it up onto the deck and then you've got all these guys that just come and they just
0: it's chop machine.
1: it. Yeah, it's a it's they just chop it to pieces, they cry back it, they, they've they got a freezer on board the the of vessel uh, and then they take the meat back um, to Japan. But like the campaign I did, which was Operation Zero Tolerance, it was the most dangerous but the most successful campaign. We saved 932 whales that year. Uh, because of the strategies that we did, we stopped them from refueling, and if they don't have fuel, they can't hunt the whales. And the
0: sea shepherds are very pro peace, pro no harm. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Where
1: we don't, we don't have any armed <clears throat> arms on our vessels. Where the whaling fleet, they have a security vessel that goes down the, the harpoons, Group. Harpoons, harpoons. Oh, yeah. yeah, but That's no they're, joke. They're also fully armed, these security guys, um on the Shonen Maru, whereas we don't have any arms at all. Um you know, the arms on our vessel are us, the crew. You know, we're we're the ones that you know, we we don't we don't have guns, we have nothing. Uh we have a safety record which is outstanding. We've never had any serious injuries. We've never or caused any serious And thank
0: goodness you have cameras. Because that, okay. I think, has been one of the biggest, biggest benefits mm. um, to be able to show the world what is happening out there in the unpoliced open where the, the whales have their own, you know, they, they know where to go for their migration. Oh, yeah,
1: and they know, they know where to go for their, their food as well, their krill, when they're in Antarctica. And this is what the whaling fleet do. They, where they, This is how they find their whales. They,
0: they'll
1: they look at an area where they know there's a concentration of krill and if it's flat krill.
0: K-R-I-L-L, it means plankton, yep. it's whale food.
1: Yeah, it's whale food and seal food. Um, and they'll go to an area where there is a co- good concentration of krill. They'll know that there are whales there if the weather is, because they've got to have perfectly flat seas to whale, of course, so that they can see the whales. Um, and that's how we also find them. By watching the weather, and if we see a, an area where the weather is good, we could pretty well be rest assured that the whaling fleet will be there, uh, and that's how one of one of the strategies we have to find the whaling fleet. Wow. Yeah. So and
0: what, we love that you, I mean, you're not only in the thick of the action, but you're also in the thick of education and awareness. And so yeah. tell us more about what you're doing locally with the kids and everything for whale watch season.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, what I do is I speak in schools. Um, I get asked to go and speak quite a lot in schools. Uh, I have a PowerPoint presentation that I use, and I just love the kids. They are just, they're like sponges. <laughs> um, some of the questions they ask me, uh, just blow me away. You know, I speak to kids year, year four, year five, right up to years 11 and 12. Um, I have a PowerPoint presentation I show. I've got one that is a bit soft because, you know, I'm not going to show graphic photos to year four and five. Understood. And six, yeah. Kids. Yeah. Um, but the, the kids that are in year 11 and 12, yeah, the, and but this is what they want to see. You know, I show them um, the whaling fleet vessels. Um, I show them, you know, whales being harpooned. Uh, I show them, you know, pictures of our vessels as well Um, when I do speak in schools. I also uh, do public speaking to rotary groups. Um, Yeah, just uh, basically I talk to anybody that wants to listen to me. Um, And I'm also doing, while watching talks, as I said, this Sunday, um, which is the winter solstice. Um, it's a big festival we have
0: here in Avalon where I live. And they've asked me. And remember um, you guys, I'm in Los Angeles and Jules is in Sydney, Australia. So it's <laughs> it's summer here and winter there, and here it's Wednesday, and there it's Thursday. How cool is that?
1: <laughs> where we're in where in the future.
0: <laughs> that is so cool. Well, I cannot wait to go down there and follow you around and cheerlead your talks and maybe give some of my own. And um again, I've had a limited In the big picture, my experience underwater has been limited, but I actually came uh, to know the sea shepherds from my time underwater in the Sea of Cortez, which has been quite a few hours, and realizing that, you know, in a very small slice of history and diving certain areas over and over again, I've seen species completely disappear in front of my eyes. I mean, we used to have scallops and then they were gone. We used to have sharks and then they were gone. And Uh A lot of those unregulated waters, you know, and we were talking about it earlier, you know, you take, you know, you can't, there's rules. You know, if you go if you go whale watching to see the minkies in Australia with a boat in Cairns, you know, from Cairns or in the Coral Sea, they're going to have rules. There's no touching. There's no, you know, in Florida for the manatees, there's a lot of rules. You're not allowed to touch them. You're not, you know, but again, once you get out into a little bit more of the third world or just wherever nobody's looking... Um, you know, the gentle giants will come kind of close to you and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really not cool to have people like riding on their heads and, you know, all these, um, you know, it's not America's funniest home video, uh, time when you're interacting with a animal that is gentle, but even their size, uh, requires some degree of intellectual respect, you know,
1: you know, if you, if you have a whale, you know, breach. Um, onto your boat, well, there's a good chance that, you know, you'll be killed. Yes. Um, so this is why, like, we have strict rules. You, you like um, whale-watching vessels have to stay, you know, 100 metres away from any whale. If um, if a mum ma- has a calf, then they have to stay 300 metres, you know, away from them. Uh, most of the whale-watching people do respect this, but, but I have been out there and I have seen a few vessels that have got way too close um, to whales, and we can actually report them to the National Parks and Wildlife, sure. uh, which people do do, because we've just got to have respect for these beautiful creatures because we're in their their homes. You know, the the ocean isn't – it's not our home. It's not it's, – it's the whales, it's the sharks. We have to respect that.
0: And it's and- so beautiful. I mean, again, when you see – you stick your head under there and you see it's like being invited to an amazing garden party, mm-hmm. you know. And there you should be—I I feel, you know—again, even when I wasn't vegetarian, I felt like I had to be very respectful to my host in that yeah. environment because we're really not supposed to be there.
1: <laughs> no, we're not. We're not supposed to be there. Um, we're fortunate that we we can be there, but we have to have respect for it. Like we've like fifty percent of the Great Barrier Reef is now dead. Um, you know, due to climate change and and ocean currents and ocean warming and ocean acidification. And oh, we've got that
0: a- is such a big topic. We should let's let's do that. Let's do that again, or let's drop <laughs> pop this one and we'll do a whole other show while I have you on Skype <laughs> I want to thank you. I just want to make sure that people can listen and go to work and do whatever they have to do. Um, so this is Jules Farrell, J O O L S F A R R E L L. And she is amazing. She's my new best friend. And the C Shepherd website is C Shepherd S-E-A-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D.org mm-hmm. dot O-R-G dot A U. Go yeah. shopping. Check yeah. out what they have. You know, there's kind of they're supported by Australia, but they're not really supported by Australia. They're supported by people. And, you know, again, wonderful people like Sam Simon, who mm-hmm. is the co-creator of. Uh, the Simpsons, who donated a boat, they have a boat named after Bob Barker. Yeah. Um, they have oh. a boat named after, um, what's her name? Help me out. Oh, Bridget Bardot. There you go. Is she amazing? Bridget or what? Yeah, Bridget She's Bardot. Amazing. So, oh. you know, it's great that they have a lot of attention, but we also need to just raise awareness because we do need the ocean. And we need the ocean's ambassadors and quartermasters. Mm-hmm. And it's just part of the planet.
1: <laughs> also also in in the u.s it's it's just sea um if people do want to go onto that site um you know to have a look at they, we've got you know merchandise you can buy online yeah,
0: sea shepherds has different campaigns in different parts of the world yeah uh, we'll probably talk also with sea shepherds france they had uh i don't know if they currently campaigns again near antarctica galapagos um. Yep. You know, uh, the uh, Taji Cove is a project. Yeah. Um. Taji. Um.
1: They have uh, a lot of volunteers. Um. The Cove Guardians come from um, various uh, Sea Shepherd. Um. Countries. You know, like they they're not only just from Australia. You know, they come from the U.S. They come from France. They come uh-huh. from Denmark. Yeah. They come from the U.K. Uh, whereas Antarctica is just Sea Shepherd. Australia.
0: understood. Uh, got
1: it. Sea Shepherd France is a very, very big chapter, and they do amazing, amazing work. Um, well, that's where Paul Watson is at the moment. Um, he's over in Paris, which Paul I'm sure Watson you know. Watson
0: is the captain of the Sea well,
1: Shepherds. He's the founder. He founded uh, Sea Shepherd in 1977, and uh, we call him the Ad- Admiral.
0: <laughs> oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah, but he recently got married, so that's why he's over in Paris. Oh, uh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's
0: a video of him speaking on LiquidHike.com. You guys can check that out too.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's an amazing man. Um, he's very passionate, and, uh, and to hear him speak is just absolutely amazing. I've had the pleasure of meeting him on quite a number of occasions, spending time with him. Um, he's he's an amazing man. Very knowledgeable and very matter of fact. Extremely knowledgeable. Extremely. Yeah. Very, and very good man. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much, Jules. Pleasure.
1: Find us at M I C H E L E the trainer.com.
0: Read Michelle's blog posts at engineeringwellness.com. At M I C H E L E trainer on Twitter.